With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. As you can tell, we are not in the studio today, but we did get a podcast on it. There's quite a bit of irony in this podcast. We have, <laughs> we have worked our way, and it was some work, to find a somewhat quiet corner of the SEMA show. We are at one of the biggest, let's be honest, most obnoxious car shows of the year, and we are going to do a podcast that is not about cars. <laughs> We're crazy, yeah. They're, they're, the irony is huge. Welcome back, guys. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us. We are at SEMA Show 2019 in November, and uh, we've been walking a lot. It's mm-hmm. so huge, and there's new convention space being built across the street so from this place. Next year. Yeah, yeah. Yes, just so we can get bigger. But yes, thank you for your amazing questions. We've decided, as you can tell, to switch it up just a little bit and go to the Every 50 podcast for all the yep. non-car-related questions. Yep, Here And we are. Uh, yeah, apologies for any background noise, but that's all the SEMA show stuff going on. And we've got so many great questions here it's to talk, talk one, to you yeah. about. It's pretty cool. I uh, want to thank Covercraft and Grails Garage. Honestly, we've yes. spent some time in yes. both, both our booths. sponsors' booths yes. here while we've been here. And it's been cool just to hang with them and be family, like I keep telling you about. So it's just cool to get feedback and hear people's reactions. And Many of you guys you know, have come just, by both those yeah, booths. Yeah, see people as well. Which has been yeah. really cool to see you guys. I mean, look, this is not, we've been talking about the fact that this, this show should have straight up public days. It doesn't. So if you're here and you're not fully in the industry, you kind of work some connections to get here. And there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm, but it means that many mm-hmm. of you listening don't have a way to get into SEMA show. We understand that. We wish there were public days too. But those of you that were here that took the time to say hello, thank you so much. It was really cool yeah. to see you and hang Appreciate out with you. That. Our sponsor Appreciate that. appreciated that as well. Both Covercraft and Griots are telling us how much you guys interact with them because of us. And that is huge. That is truly driving the show forward. It is. It is. Both podcast and TV. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Uh, we have one bit of car news, and then we really will do no <laughs> car We promise questions. no cars. We, we are wondering if going forward every year at SEMA we have to buy a car. <laughs> Because you did. I did. I can't believe it. I bought a Maserati. In yes. Vegas. You're driving you it home heard correctly. I'm, I'm not flying home. I'm actually driving the Quattroporte home. You, you did not buy a SEMA build. Let's make that Yeah, clear. well, that's true. Although, <clears throat> I have been thinking about all the stuff I could do to it. But, it's you know, that's yeah. that's far out. But, uh, you know, you've bought a Phaeton. You've, I bought a you've Phaeton. got the I deposit on the Phaeton. Week or so, yes. It's you happening. Are, you, it is real. You have been in your Quattroporte. You were driving it <laughs> we're home. driving around Vegas. And we yes. did. Yes, we drove the Strip in the Quattroporte. Of course we did, yes. And it was glorious. It's you. I, I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. You're going to tell the full story next week after you've driven it home. Yeah, right. The full story right. of finding it and, and all of the things that, that are, there are about it, pro and con. But I have declared you the most conflicted man on the planet because of all the <laughs> things true. you said about Maseratis to this point. And now that you have one and you're driving it and you're trying to find oh. the good in it, you're finding all these things about it that you do like in sharp contrast to the many things you don't. Yeah, I, I'm... Crazy enough, I sort of have a soft spot going for this car already. I can't believe it's it. It's hysterical. It really More is to come to on the car, but yes, 2005 Neiman Marcus Edition Burgundy <laughs> QP5. That's what all the cool kids in the forum say. It's the it's QP5, funny. fifth generation Quattroporte. So, all right, we'll we'll get to that story for next time. Once you've got your car, hopefully too. Well, you might yes. not have it yet. I mean, but I have, at least, yeah, but it'll at least things be will be yes, for know, sure. being shipped. Speaking so. of shows, I'm going to start with this question. We'll go into all non-car questions. This first question is from. Uh, 
add the mans, are you going to the LA Auto Show, and if so, what, what day? We will be there for press days. We'll be there the Wednesday before it opens to the public on that Wednesday. We're in and out pretty fast. Yeah. So if you have yeah. access on Wednesday, you may see us walk in the show. Otherwise, uh, you know, obviously, if you're in there on public days, we totally sniper shot that show. We jump in. We jump out. We want to see it. We kind of consider it our home show, if you will. But mm -hmm, we'll only mm -hmm. be there on that Wednesday. So if that makes sense to you, that's where we'll be. Kelly Kenworthy is venturing into the personal polymeter. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. <laughs> Since number one. That is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Wonders, because we compare cars to the girl you bring home or the girl that gets left alone at the <laughs> dance or even one time is the fun girl that isn't great to look at. <laughs> what is keeping no. me from finding that perfect girl? Are there polymeters that you know are Seinfeld-esque in nature? You know, man hands or belly button <laughs> looks like a mouse or a mouth or is her voice too squeaky? No, you know, it's just one of those things. I uh, just haven't found Mrs. Schmucker yet, so, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can't say, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't have any, no, there's no requirements or anything like that. It's just, you know, you never know who's attracted True. to who, and True. you yeah. can never figure it out, and you always ask, you know, so what's your story? How would you guys meet? And it's always some sort of crazy thing, and so, you know, waiting for that one, I guess. Yeah, but, we'll you know, see. there's... Now, <clears throat> a lot of booth babes around that, um, <laughs> you, anyway. You, now that you have a Maserati, you keep wanting to walk by and be like, I've got a Maserati, I need a booth babe. The guy terrible. I bought it from it's said, terrible. are you single? I said, well, yeah. And he's like, all right, so when you go to dinner, put that Maserati key out on the table, oh, and she'll oh, come no. by, and she'll see your key. I was like, no, that's not who I want to meet. I yeah, yeah that's not, not how you because want to meet. Of the that's car. the key thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, it was uh, good for a laugh, at least. <laughs> <laughs> there are multiple mountain bike questions. I won't cover all of them. I'll cover a few. Oliver said, what mountain bikes do we each ride right now? I ride a Kona Process 153. I bought it last year. It is essentially Kona takes their tech from the year prior, and they sell it at a discount on a new bike, if you will. So mm -hmm. slightly less than their heavy-duty ones. When I was shopping a couple of years back, I desperately needed a new bike. I needed an extra-large frame. My bike is immense. It's got one of the longest wheelbases I've seen. It's frightening. But it is a 27.5-inch wheel. Uh, I really like it. It's got good uh, suspension travel. It was fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars instead of their next bike, which was like twenty-eight hundred dollars, and they went up from there. I could spend at the time around fifteen hundred, so I went over my own budget and still got a bike I really love. I'd love well, to have a massively expensive one, but that's money, right? Well, what's crazy is mountain bikes cost as much as the cars that Todd and I are buying for Isn't the big nuts? sedan challenge. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, that's crazy. Between five and $10,000, you can get a really incredible mountain bike. <laughs> that's where all the money is. And You're right. here we are buying. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Maserati owner. I, can't, I still it's, can't it's believe this. It's all bad. Anyway. All right. Well, yes, I'm on a Cannondale. It's a lefty fork. Cannondale habit, so it is not the carbon frame. I wish mm. it were, but guy it was you know double the price to go carbon was, yeah. and i yeah, couldn't yeah. and i thought you know what all right maybe a little extra weight will be good for me you know for you know pedaling and <laughs> you know we've bit of an extra workout kind of thing we've been on carbon bikes and now we're very jealous oh they're they're, they're astounding yeah they're they're great so i aspired that i actually i've been talking to you Todd, about mm -hmm. getting a different frame just yeah, uh yeah yeah you know, got some knee pain going a little bit from last season. Change your geometry a bit. I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking about changing my stance, my geometry on the bike. I'm wondering yeah. if, you know, I just need to go to something. We noticed Santa Cruz bikes. We really like those. Yeah, they're very cool. You know, I wonder about doing something like that. So. Yeah, then there's companies like Pivot and those where the bikes start at five grand and go up. And they look yeah. sweet, but they better be for the price of... Phaeton or Pivot. Phaeton or Pivot. Exactly, for more money than I'm spending mm -hmm. on my Phaeton. That's mm -hmm. frightening. Uh, while we're doing mountain bike questions,
questions. I'll run through a couple others. Do we run, run winter tires? Paul, you're asking that question, Paul Cavanaugh. Uh, I would love to have a bike with the wide tires to be able to handle the snow. I'd love to kind of bike you around. I don't have a frame that can handle wider tires, and so that would now require a dedicated bike. And again, we're back into money, so I'm happy to have the bike I have, and I'm bummed I won't ride over the winter. But maybe we'll get on to Moab for some fun. Yeah, that sounds good. Avi Ram asks aircraft stuff here. Oh, if we had a single engine prop airplane, what would each of us have? Mm-hmm. He would pick a Cirrus SR20 for me and a, cath- a decathlon for you. Funny. But you didn't say anything about turboprops. Oh no. And every time I see a Pilatus or a Cicada, okay. I am I love those airplanes. They're powerful. They're Swiss, I believe. Both of them are Swiss made and the Pilatus are amazing. They're 2 million dollar aircraft. They're Oof. turbo turboprop. They're powerful. I like the Cicadas, too. So, yeah, if you're into aircraft at all, those are sort of the, the do-it-all, yeah. you know, single single pilot, essentially. But you didn't say turboprop. Well, I'll, I'll, go you, I'll go you a couple on this. If we're really just talking about money, no object, then P-51 Mustang. Oh, there, well, If we're talking yeah. about usable plane, <laughs> single prop, then it, I do actually love the Cirrus. The Cirrus are nice. If we're talking yeah. about plaything, I would go Icon. Would you? Yeah, those are, you, cool. those are cool. You don't actually need a full-fledged pilot's license for that. And they are purely plaything. They they're, are. They're, they they're are. just plaything. It almost feels like, as weird as it sounds, it almost feels like the go-kart or Lotus Elise equivalent of of planing, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, flying around. So I think that's, that's the A five like foldable wings. You can tow it behind your rangey. Yeah, well, yeah. Tow it to the lake. Because I need a rangey. Maybe I can tow it behind the Phaeton. We're coming up with you ridiculously oh, bad man. ideas for these big sedans. Oh, there's a t-shirt like coming that, for the Mazer. The t-shirt for the Mazer. We keep saying, like, let's go dump our luggage in the Mazer. Uh, let's take the Mazer. No. Because we can. All bad. All right. Well, uh, Matthew James Gerber says, how do we feel about BMW using a new holiday theme to the tune, All I Want for Christmas is my beaver teeth? <laughs> That's terrible. Full credit to his wife for coming up with that one. And yes, we hope Beaver Teeth makes it back to BMW corporate at any level. I don't care what continent it's on. If they hear it and use it, they need to see Beaver Teeth. So continue to grind on them for that I because deservedly so. Yeah, and I hope that I hope that if and when they, they actually hear Beaver Teeth, we can still get product out of BMW. Yeah. A question there. <laughs> Ideally. Yeah. Well, you know, give us some non-twofer cars and we'll we'll drive them. But That's hysterical. Anyway, I still want to drive their other stuff, but yeah. There are more bike questions. I'm going to come back in a few. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go to movies for a second. Christopher asked me, what is the best shot movie I don't like? Oh, And what good. is the worst shot movie I do? By the way, our conversation at breakfast this morning was asking Todd about all the movies he's worked on, which is 250 plus at this point. At New Line, but more at New Line, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we were talking about you know all the good Chance and was bad asking, directors. So what are some of the bad director experiences that we <laughs> like, got into? You've got to be kidding me! The ego. Anyway, I was like, I don't know. Unbelievable. Twenty minutes later, I was still ranting, and Chance was like, "Calm down, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to." Th- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but but Christopher asked that question about best shot movie I don't like, worst shot movie I do like. So best shot movie I don't like. I'm some people are going to rage at me for this, but that's okay. Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson is fantastically well mm. shot mm. by Robert Ellswit. I got to work with him a little bit on the color correction of that. He was an interesting contrast, a man of almost no ego that shot this beautiful movie, working with Paul Thomas Anderson, at the, who at the time was at the height of his own personal ego. Uh, there's good things about the movie, but in general, I don't like it. And it is superbly shot. It's like a mm. lesson in cinematography. Really? And... Really? 
Paul Thomas Anderson became famous for his long takes, and I will tell you this, it's absolutely true. He became famous for his long takes where the camera is just still filming and it's moving through the, through the scene and that kind of stuff. That's Robert Ellswit. Oh, really? Those are his ideas. Oh, no kidding. Those are his executions. So anyway, so I love that, love that cinematography. Worst shot movie that I do like is the Bourne series. When Greengrass took over the direction of the Bourne series, yeah. and he apparently lost his tripod, and everything <laughs> shakes so badly you can barely tell what's going on. I understand there was a move for a while where cinematographers and filmmakers wanted to have stuff shaky because it created a sense of, of just fever pitch. Soderbergh did that. Steven Soderbergh did that. Soderbergh's done some, but Paul Greengrass with the Bourne movies, he didn't do the first one. Doug, Doug Lyman did the first one. I actually prefer the look of that one to the ones that follow. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the ones that follow, I really like the movies. But the cinematography, literally, I want to hand the cinematographer one one step wider lens <laughs> and a tripod and be like, calm down. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I hear you. All right, Christopher L. says, is it uncool to have a Nürburgring decal on your car <laughs> if you haven't been there yet? No, it is not. And it's the same vein that all of us. It doesn't matter if you own that car that you're enthusiast of. It doesn't matter. We're enthusiasts of all these cars, and you absolutely can. Now... I will say, I draw the line at Ferrari gear. By the way, I've been shopping for Maserati shirts and Maserati gear and <laughs> Maserati cologne and yeah, no, Maserati stop. Please stop. Please stop. Oh, eyeglasses. No, no I, I draw the line at Ferrari bed sheets and shot glasses and teddy bears and diapers for your kids. They can brand everything for you. Yeah. It, it's such an, a dichotomy because it's this exclusive, kind of snotty brand mm -hmm. that wants to democratize sales of all the junk with Ferrari branded on it, so it brings down the Ferrari brand, yeah, I that's think. that's interesting point. But, you know, I, yes. The most exclusive cars uh, with the least exclusive swag. Yes, yes. exactly right. Yes. But from a, a track standpoint, that can mean, hey, I aspire to do that, and, sure. you know, I've, sure, I've played the game, the video game, or whatever, I've played it a bunch of times, so you kind of know the track, but yeah. you don't have to, it's that's expensive, funny. we admit, it's expensive to go to the ring and, and do all that stuff, but I think it... It's from an aspirational standpoint that you can absolutely have permission. Jeff Christopherson, I'm going to get back to bikes for a second. Have either of us ridden Capitol Forest west of Olympia or Post Canyon just east of Portland? I have not. I would love to. We are blessed to ride in Park City, which I'm not going to get this right, but it was like the first gold star mountain biking approved city or something. There's tons of trails in Park City. We barely scratched the surface. You've asked us favorite trails. I'm going to give you two. One is uh, Wasatch Crest along the top of the Wasatch Mountain Range in Park City is spectacular. First time we did it, we both had a wreck, separate problem. But the actual ride itself is just stunning. Good flow, good hills, we really loved it. But I will also say I recently did a mountain bike on the edge of Dead Horse Point in Moab, mm, and it was yeah, cool. not difficult, but it was spectacular. I did it with the whole family, so that was fun too. It had just enough like things to jump up or things to jump down, but yet it was mostly a flow trail. I, I loved that ride. It was great, Jeff. Barbara Peterson is asking about coffee, which I love. <laughs> Saw that. <laughs> she says, Paul often has coffee in hand or close by. Yes, we can't start a shoot unless I have coffee every morning, we really, and the guys roll their eyes we, at me. We really can't. You need to understand it's important. this. It's like Paul's a walking zombie until there's coffee in hand and then in gullet. Look, Absolutely true. in Atlanta, I got the, the coffee headache, you know, when you get the, the raging coffee headache mm -hmm. from lack of coffee. Yeah, that happened to me, and, and this is not good. I need to be on camera, so I need coffee. <laughs> and, yes, I like Pete's coffee. That's one of my faves. I do like their roast. There's... Um, uh, um, 
the one in Kenai, as a matter of fact, there's a roaster in Kenai, Alaska that we got to know that was just a local guy. And uh, I think it was just Kenai Roasters. And um, they're up in uh, Homer, uh, Alaska, okay. as a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah, yeah. And just there's coffee shops, the little stands everywhere in Alaska, Fine. which were, you know, of course, keeps you fueled. So I love those. And, you know, I still have friends up there trying to ship me packs of coffee from there. And then, of course, Illy, I, I can go coffee snob on you. Illy coffee is among oh, no. the best. I love the beans aren't too oily. They're, st- you know, just a little bit dry. And, the, and all the beans are slightly smaller. And so the, the grind is better, and, you know, I, I just yeah, I, I like the flavor from their beans. I'm silent because I'm zoned out. Oh, here. yeah, but generally a dark roast for espresso, and I do like espresso. That's how I've got to have it. And I will watch Paul drive by multiple Starbucks. There's one on every corner to get to a Pete's Coffee. I'm not a soda drinker. I like natural yeah, drinks. There's wine that's derived from grapes. There's coffee from coffee beans, <laughs> milk, water, juice. That's I like funny. all that. Bring I don't it. Drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. Not interested. <laughs> isn't isn't the thing. My wife actually aligns with Paul on this. So if the, the if, if my wife and Paul are both somewhere, it's like I have two people that are just useless until they have coffee <laughs> in them, which is an interesting struggle. Oh sometimes. yeah. Yeah, early mornings are <clears throat> a little spicy. Yeah, for sure. Mystic Negro. <laughs> <laughs> Always good questions. All right, you're, you're targeting me this time. You say, three generations of professional wrestlers show up at my door with a letter. First off, my name is misspelled. Mr. <laughs> Deacon misspelled. Uh, here's what's up. We have a five. The court, court, I'm being strong-armed by these wrestlers. There's a potential five-season deal for the show. 13 one-hour episodes per season for Everyday Driver. Mm. It's on in prime time. It's on a network. The budget will be one and a half times the grand tour budget. This is this is the gold ring here that they're offering. Mm, okay. Here's the problem. Okay. If I want this deal, I either have to let someone else direct. Okay. And I can oversee the edit, or someone else edits, and I can get to direct and have no say in the edit. <laughs> okay. And if I don't accept that, then I can't have the deal. What would I do? Now, Ooh. I am assuming, I'm assuming that this is still a show that you and I are the hosts of, Paul, based okay. on this description. Right. I'm assuming right. that's Good. the case. So if you and I are the hosts, I do actually have an answer. The answer is, let someone else direct it. Absolutely. Because, and this is an old adage from film and screenwriting especially, the last rewrite is the edit. These shows are, they live and die based on how they're edited. And you and I, with the wrong editor, can come off like boneheads. And the show can come off terrible. Uh, well, is, I will is, say, you sort of protect us in that sense and, and curate our identities. This and is our, every show on the planet. Uh, yeah. watch, watch a reality show. Yeah. And the people that they want to be villains on the reality show, they're villains because the editor made them villains. True. Okay? True. And so there is so much manipulation, and I, I actually don't use that as a bad word. In this case, it's a good word. There's so much manipulation that goes on in the edit room to shape the show to have it, any show, pick a show, to have the tone you want it to have. I think that is much more vital because the reality is of directing a show like this, yeah, you can direct it to some degree a certain direction, but because it is a documentary-style show and not a narrative, mm-hmm. you have to leave some wiggle room. It has to be kind of found in the edit to some degree. And you and I are going to be who, who we are anyway on camera. So yeah, I would much right, rather right. oversee the edit. And I think I'd come across with a show that I would love, and that amount of budget would be fantastic. I would love that. So if this is the, if this is the, uh, the poison pill, I'll take the editorial job. All right, all right. Well, there's a question here from Paul Domboski saying, all right, a dream meal 
Hmm. Non-car related, of course. Who would you want to break bread with? Hmm. Interesting. And of course, why? I think I would gravitate towards designers, and it would okay. either... It's kind of a toss-up for me. I've mentioned before on prior questions similar to this about Mark Newson, who's uh, an incredible industrial designer, and he's designed all kinds of products, including the O21C concept for Ford mm-hmm. at okay. least 10 right. years ago. And okay. O21C referred to the Pantone color that it was painted. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. So it was before. a... a and not necessarily a car person's take on what should a concept car be. And so sure. it was named after the color, interestingly. And he was famous for designing the Lockheed Lounge. So just look up Lockheed mm-hmm. Lounge, mm-hmm. and it really put him on the map from a furniture standpoint. But Ron Arad is an Israeli designer, and I think his work has been very iconic. Uh, Ross Lovegrove, of course. Um, yeah, either of those three guys, maybe. And just you know, pick their brain on inspiration. I just... I, I know where I go to for creativity from, you know, for sources, the, you know, the things that I like to look at that spark interest and questions and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's travel, it's fashion, it's all those kinds of things. But I'd like to pick their brains on, you know, their inspiration for creativity and what drives them towards a particular design. And then also, from a design standpoint, there's, you may or may not have heard the joke that uh, industrial designers draw a thousand sketches for a dollar each. Mm-hmm. Artists paint one painting and sell it for a thousand bucks. Sure, sure. But as a designer, if you can't design something that can be sold for profit, you're an artist. Yeah, true. Because you're designing for a client brief, either for yourself or usually for a client to make and sell this product. So you are, in a sense, a salesperson. You're Mm -hmm. designing that. doesn't matter what the product is. Cars are big, expensive products. And so you're designing for an audience, and if you can't, you've made art. Hmm. So then, you know, from a creativity standpoint, that's always what I want to find and, and discuss over, hmm. you know, a nice glass of wine and <laughs> maybe some coffee. Something, Got it. Yeah. You know, really deep, dark Cabernet. Something. $150 bottling up, maybe somewhere in there. I like Spotswood. I'm lost again. I like Camus, yeah. Stag's Leap. You know, some of those yeah. brands. Very Wineries. Funny. Very funny. Yeah. I'm going to do a last mountain bike question. Uh, Dean said, uh, he actually has multiple questions. He's getting into bikes. Pinion drivetrain or derailleur? I'm going to start there real quick. A pinion drivetrain is, imagine the transmission that you see on a motorcycle. There's multiple gears in a central gear housing where you would actually have the pedal. Mm-hmm. Where you mm-hmm. have the pedals, uh, that front gear on most bikes. There's an actual whole transmission there. And it sh- swaps gears. It swaps pegs when you tell it what gear you want. And there is just a single drive coming out of the back of that. Think of it like the chain drive on a motorcycle. That's what a pinion gearbox is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are more complex and less common. That's the reason I say derailleur. There are issues with derailleurs. They could be problematic, but they are. It's like an eight broke, eight broke don't fix it simplicity. Yeah. If, it, yeah. if your chain jumps in the middle of the ride, you put it back. There's There's... While theoretically over time, I think the pinion gearbox, like the dual clutch, might start to replace, be more ubiquitous, I think right now derailers are more universal and easier to deal with. Yeah, so I would yeah. say derailer. You also said you're looking at mountain bikes, trying to figure out what on earth to use. You've said cross-country trail bike, all-mountain enduro, downhill, what the heck do you buy? You need to buy the right bike for the kind of riding you do, because you don't want the wrong kind of tool for the job. For example, a downhill bike looks mm-hmm. cool. It looks like a motocross bike without an engine. But unless you're literally going to do, I'm taking a, uh, taking a ski lift up, and I am going only downhill down, and pedaling is irrelevant, don't buy a downhill bike. Don't. 
they look great for suspension, but you don't want that bike. Mm -hmm. I actually, my uh, Kona is kind of what's called an enduro, so it is good for big stuff, heavy-duty stuff, hard trails going down, but it's still halfway decent going up. I'm more of the kind of all-mountain or enduro style. I think that's where you're going to get the most flexibility, but if you're a person who rides mostly flat trails, you don't even want necessarily these kind of bikes. So yeah, definitely shop, probably in that range. Yeah, definitely shop for the flat, kind of bike trails. that matches the kind of trails. And I would say, look, I found this very helpful when I was shopping. Go into whatever bike store is local to you and tell them the kind of specific trails you ride because the guys at the bike store are going to be like, oh, I know exactly that trail, and these are the best bikes for that trail. Mm -hmm. Well, Dean, the second part of your question here is how do you figure out what kind of trails? You're essentially asking you know, the XC trail, all mountain, enduro, downhill, which bike do you get? That is based on trails, as Todd mm -hmm. is saying. And so you need to go experience those different kinds. Outerbike.com is a great way. There's events yeah. around the nation in yeah. the U.S. all year long, and you can go to this location, and all the bike manufacturers come. Mm -hmm. You can try the electric bikes. You can try it's everything. It's yeah. And depending on where it is in the country, it gives you, of course, a different flavor. Yeah, that's but good. all that's these really bike good. shops will have dealer demo days. So, mm -hmm. you know, too. the uh, the Cannondales, the Santa Cruzes, they'll come in and say, hey, we're doing two hours. You can jump on a bike or whatever. And sometimes they're at the ski resorts. So mm -hmm. call these manufacturers, ask about, hey, when are you going to do your the Cannondale Tour or whatever yeah. that is, and yeah. almost every bike manufacturer does this, but they're doing it in locations with specific kinds of trails. Yeah. And yeah. so then you can ride the trails. It doesn't matter if you like their products or not, but you get a sense of the trails, and you think, okay, that geometry fits me. I like this. Now mm -hmm. what can I afford? Because you could have bought a Maserati or a Phaeton. <laughs> That's true. Just saying. <laughs> One quick add-on we haven't actually mentioned publicly, and I do want you guys to know it. For a while, we were toying with the idea of doing some mountain bike reviews. We've decided not to. <laughs> and honestly, because they really get, it's even more niche than cars. And it is, because it is. we realized as we really dug in, and of course, I would like to do stuff at a high level no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. The truth is, we aren't nearly hardcore enough for mount to compete in mountain bike reviews. We don't huck ourselves off of 10 or 15 foot drops. No, we are average no. guys that are average riders. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. while on some level, I think from a, from a, the conversations we're having right now about what bikes to buy, I think that's helpful. From a video perspective, I don't think that's right. I don't, <laughs> I, we need to be far more hardcore than we are. And let's be honest, if we're going to push something, it's going to be a car, not a bike. So we're probably not going to do YouTube mountain bike content. Uh, I've looked at some stuff at Moab that I don't want to throw myself down. In order yeah, to and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, I like I like my limbs, like my body. So we will probably be, be doing those, but we're more than happy to talk mountain bikes because we do love to mountain bike. We mountain bike as much as we can, even though, hey, the snow's coming, it's ski season. Yeah, exactly. All right, Zachary Levine asks about our worst airport story. Well, I can tell you mine, and that okay. is the um, hour time change from Heathrow to Charles de Gaulle. There you go. London Heathrow to Paris, Paris. there yeah. is indeed a time change, which when I was flying through Heathrow, didn't realize and wasn't paying attention to the boards. And my flight was up there, and I thought, oh, ah, man. I got plenty of time. Go get an espresso, oh. hang out. And then I came back to my gate. Like, Wait, how come my flight isn't on the boards anymore? What? Did it change gates? Wait, what? It was also 11 p.m., so have fun trying to find a hotel sure. in London at 11 p.m. <laughs> and I'm trying to fly out the next day, so I'm oh. trying to call, you know, and every employee wants to go home. They want to go home for the night. Yeah. They want yeah, to have yeah. a life. And so from hotels and airlines, there's not many people around to help Nobody's you out. Help you. Yeah. And I kind of screwed myself. And um, anyway, so just in case anybody's wondering, there is an indeed <laughs> an hour time difference okay. from London to Paris 
and uh, plan accordingly. It was it was rough <laughs> sitting in the airport trying to call hotels and airlines at 11 p.m. Awesome. Forrest Jenkins asked me a question uh, on movies again. Favorite Pixar movie? I'm going to give you two. I have two that I absolutely love. One is Up, and okay. the other is Wall-E. Yeah, that's a and good one. Both that's of them actually resonate. I've talked about this before. I feel like there are common themes. I used to, to actually do this with people, almost like a psychology test. I feel like there are common themes. If somebody has their five favorite movies, like the movies they'd go watch right now and take their buddies, never seen, like we need to watch that right now. Your five favorite movies, I think, generally ha- speak to a common theme. The movies that I generally like the most are movies where the hero has a goal mm-hmm. that may seem like a crazy goal. But they are going to execute that goal and not change who they are. And in the process, they change the world around them. And in both of those movies, even though they aren't even in my top five, but they're close, in both Up and WALL-E, that theme is there in both those films. Uh, and both of them, if I watch them, they make me cry. Top Pixar <laughs> movies by a long shot. The weather's changing, but the sun is still out and still baking your car's interior. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time. And it seems there's always a new place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Ray Ray Jebediah Jones says, who is, who is the better chef of the everyday oh driver crew? <laughs> I get gooned a lot because I'm good at toast and cereal, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I say I, I just like to order. But I'm, I'm secretly kind of holding back this. I do have a burgeoning interest in cooking, and I've asked for more cookware, and I've got good knives already, but I've asked more cookware, you know, for my family for Christmas, and I've actually started taking some cooking classes, you know, starting with the basics and moving up, and I'm starting to do some different things. I'm not, you know, into, you know... Thai food night, or I'm not at that level yet, or something. You but know. you've been playing with it. But I see I've, that. I've been yeah. playing around. I can't claim to be a chef by any stretch, but I've been cooking and I'm enjoying it more. And I just enjoy the the deconstruction and the build process. And you know, I like the slicing and, of course, knives. I like using knives. You and I've talked about this before. I am. I've described it this way. I am a commute eater. 
I know how to feed myself <laughs> stuff that I like enough to get fuel in the body, and then I do enjoy going out and being. I know well you do. Fed, I mean, but food I'm is more pleasurable than just fueling the body. There, it is. There is a it whole is. But, world I, to but this. I spend a lot of time just what I would describe as commute eating, just because I am fueling myself, and then I, you know, do thoroughly enjoy going out and eating. But as a result, I have I am not a chef. <laughs> nope, not a chef. <laughs> You wanted to answer, answer this question, so I'm going to toss it to you. Baloo 240, how do you decide who stands on what on the side of what car during our post-drive discussions? Now, if you've watched any of our comparisons on YouTube or any of our TV show, you know at the end we do what we call our closing stand-up, where it's exactly what you, what you imagine it is. We stand there in front of the cars we just compared, and we talk, we just riff. There's no script that is the closing of the piece, and we, if you watch... We hop sides. It's not like I'm always on the left and Paul's always on the right. We exactly. hop sides. And so yeah. the question is, how do we decide who stands on what side during a video? <laughs> the answer is very simple. It's the wind. Because <laughs> if the wind's blowing the wrong direction, Todd's hair is going to blow in his face. And he's like, no, 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 switch with me. The wind's blowing the wrong direction. And then the wind will switch, and so we'll switch back. Yes. For me, I'm cool with whatever. That is the I don't beginning care. and the end of how we decide. I, I know it <laughs> sounds completely ridiculous, but that is how we decide. <laughs> the only time that gets changed sometimes... Like, if the wind's not an issue, we will literally figure out what is the contrasting car color. We don't want me in the red shirt by the red car and Paul in a blue shirt by a blue car. We'll swap exactly. for that reason. Exactly. But the truth is, most of the time, it's just dealing with my absurd hair. <laughs> I mean, that really is, is the truth. I just love it because, well, you know, we're setting up cameras and, yeah. you know, have stand-ins and we're checking picky. focus. And, yeah. and then the wind blows across Todd's face and he's like, nope. Switch with me. Like, fine, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, speaking of other things that are kind of behind-the-scenes show stuff, which is cool stuff, I, I, I like this. There's a question about, uh, like, what's the typical work week look like for everyday driver? Damn it, Pat, I'm asking that. Oh, man. How long does, how much does it change between TV seasons and workflow? Honestly, I'm trying to balance out the TV season so that the workflow doesn't change that much. The difficulty of the TV seasons is they have hard and fast editorial deadlines. So as we get closer and closer to the release of a new season, like we're doing season six right now, the priority of must edit above everything else and must get TV stuff done, that starts to rise in, in editorial importance. But the truth is, I am my work weeks typically are I spend three to four hours a day editing somewhere mm-hmm, in the day. Mm-hmm. And I want to tie this another question in a minute talking about how we get stuff done. But I try to spend an hour or, so, or 90 minutes or so just doing email and admin. We read everything you guys send. I try to spend an hour or 90 minutes ideally doing that. Now, if I get close to a TV deadline, that hour or 90 minutes goes right back into editing. It, I'm not doing admin at all. I'm doing sure. more editorial. Sure. Uh, and I try to uh, be available to my son and my wife late afternoon and early evening. And then I typically will do color correction at night right before I go to bed. It's nutty. And in there, we balance the fact that typically on a Monday or Tuesday, we will shoot whatever press car we have locally. We'll shoot one of those two afternoons. And Monday afternoons and Thursday afternoons, this changes, but typically that's when we record the podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, everything in the schedule, thankfully this is the nice thing about working for ourselves, everything in the schedule is movable, but if you want to know what kind of a standard reality was, that's kind of it from my side. You know, I'm kind of, uh, uh, it's not tyranny of what's immediate, but kind of in a sense. So if we're needing press cars for an upcoming shoot and we know we've got a free week, Todd and I will sit down every so often, probably monthly, and look at the calendar and Mm -hmm. say, all right, here's 
you know, you're on vacation, I'm out of town with family, and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we'll say, all right, these weeks are good for us to go shoot, and so yep. I target that with the manufacturers, and I'm, I'm trying to plug holes for shoots, which means I'm buying flights for everybody, I'm, you know, planning hotels, I'm planning out the shoot, and wrangling cars, I'm mm -hmm. trying to wrestle cars to the ground. That's an unbelievable time suck. You guys We're, would it, not believe it, it how really hard is. it is to get three cars together on the same dates in a city. It is. It doesn't matter what city. It's, it's astounding to me. So that will continue to be, you know, that's what we do. It's hard to put those together. It's hard to get them all side by side. But that informs our commentary immediately. When we jump out of one car, mm -hmm. get into the next, turn on the camera, and we go, you wouldn't believe. We're just, you know, spouting off about, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this you is probably so would believe different. It. You've listened to the podcast. We can talk. You probably would believe <laughs> it's it. so yeah. different. So it's that. It's um, lately, the last <clears throat> week, has been shopping for... QP5s. We're glad that's behind us. Yeah, no kidding. Lots of times happen there. No kidding. But uh, yeah, it's wrangling the podcast, so it's generally me that's, you know, reading your questions yeah. and, you know, posting up for questions on social media. But mm -hmm. it's all, always my desire, guys, to continually keep the podcast fresh because we know you're with us and mm -hmm. we sure appreciate. Uh, yeah, shout out to Devin who came by yesterday. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was and fun. Uh, he said, I've been with you guys, I've been listening for four years, and he's a warehouse manager. Devin, how are you? Thanks for coming by the Grios booth. Really appreciate it. So nice it to meet fun. you. It was very fun. And uh, yeah, we know you guys are with us, so it's my desire to continually keep the podcast fresh, but it's your stories that continue to do that. And I'm constantly reading mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. looking and trying to craft things and make a through line or have guests. Or you know, come up with new ideas, and we've got some definitely for 2020 coming at you. So that'll be a lot of a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, it's either that or or planning shoots or you know, chasing you know emails. We get a lot yeah. of emails from all kinds of folks whether they want to advertise with us, and so we're vetting those out. Mm -hmm. Totally. You yeah. know, we're constantly curating where everyday driver content is mm -hmm. on various mm -hmm. platforms. So that's ongoing, and as we push continued content there's you know stuff to be done like music cue sheets or yeah. you know some fast blast editing that i need to do or yeah. you know so it's just we're constantly on it there's always something to be done yeah it's sheer content management all the time uh similarly related to that is bradley let's see bradley 1983 we have a lot going on yes we do we have a lot <laughs> going on with podcast travel show non-car hobbies how do we effectively manage our time and stay pro so productive i don't have a magic answer here. I'll tell you what's worked for me. Honestly, <laughs> what were you going to say? Were it's say? just everything's on fire all at once, all well, the time. Yes, yes and no. I mean, what, The what, fire nearest you is the one that gets put out. <laughs> you, have a, you have one hose. Yes. Best of luck. Yes. No, but, but honestly, the thing, the thing for me is uh, we have become so conditioned now to never be doing something that isn't creating something. Yeah. So if we travel yeah. or if we are going to be driving a car, what are we walking away with that keeps us moving forward is a big ask. Now, of course, I have a wife and a son, and I try to be available to both of them. What actually works for me and has worked for me as I try to dial it in is segments of the day. And inside the segments are very liquid, but the segments exist. And I'll give you an example. I take my son to school in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm home 8.15, 8.30. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I might work out for 45 minutes. I might, depending yeah. on the day. Yeah. But then from the end of the workout till lunch, that is a segment of the day. And that is, if we've got a ton of admin, I'll put admin in the whole segment. But generally, I'll edit for two or three hours right there. And then over lunch, I'll do admin. And then in the afternoon, I typically will do a little more, bit more edit or 
I've got about 90 minutes, two hours there for a window. That is another quadrant of the day. That's a flexible quadrant. That could be admin again. My son comes home from school. Mm -hmm. I try to be mm -hmm. available to him for a couple hours, and we do dinner, and we do afterward dinner, you know, family stuff. But then when my wife goes to bed, my son goes to bed, which they both go to bed between 9 and 10, I'm up till midnight, and I typically do color. That's my last quadrant of the day. If I keep those, those sections of the day uh, separated, and, it, and I just decide almost day to day, what's going in which section of the day? But then I get to the end of the day, and nothing necessarily is completed, but everything moved forward. And that I have found, and, and we have tried to get better and better about long-term movement, and not right, being, having right. stuff right on top. The stuff still catches fire. But trying to be way ahead of where we have to be and constantly getting forward progress, we have found is the best way that you look back over the end of the year and you're like, we did a lot this year, but mm -hmm. never felt like you yeah. were doing one thing at one time. You were doing 10 things a tiny bit every week, and they all eventually got wrapped, and we all eventually got a lot of stuff done. That's, that's what works for me, at least. Hmm. All right. Uh, what other questions? Oh, we get to talk about watches. It is time <clears throat> to talk about watches. I have some non-watch stuff coming up, so those of you that are into watches, we'll just we're going to just hunker down. We're going to hunker down through the watch section. Stay with me. Oh yes. All right. Jorge Elgis Lanzarotti says, Paul, U.S. fifteen thousand dollars, three watches. What are you buying? I have got my eye on the Omega Speedmaster Classic or an IWC Big Pilot for about $12,000. <clears> Yikes. A 7 Friday or a G-Shock MRG for two to 3000 somewhere in there, and a $100 G-Shock beater. I miss my G-Shock because I it was stolen. It was in my backpack when it got yeah. stolen. I miss my G-Shock, so I need a, a replacement. But G-Shock is making some beautiful stuff now, the, the metal stuff. MRG is excellent. And, uh, yeah, that's actually J. Doherty 787. That's actually one of the ones I've had my eye on. It's, it's the MRGG-1000B-1A for $3,000. If you're in disbelief that Casio G-Shock is indeed making a metal G-Shock for $3,000, wonder no more. Oof. It is sweet-looking. They're applying Japanese metal-making, you know, like mm -hmm. metallurgy techniques to their watches, like samurai sword-making techniques to the bezels of the watches. They have taken it way upscale, and they're beautiful. The materials and the finishes are just cool. And then, of course, a cool G-Shock. You can't see me shaking my head because my eyes have just gone glossed over. Paul's looking at me like, come on, stay with me, man. Stay with me. <laughs> Eric Storley says, do I have any plans to pick up a watch from a small independent in the future? I do. He says, a lot of the most interesting stuff comes from the smaller makers, and supporting artists seems like something I would be behind. Absolutely. And uh, I, I haven't, I admit, I haven't been super following a lot of the independents lately, but they do catch my eye because, yeah, I want to support them. I want to, there's a lot of room. And people will say, well, you know, what about the Apple Watch and digital watches? The thing that I'm wearing on my wrist will be, pun intended, timeless. Mm. It's it's mm -hmm. always going to be in style. It will mm. always work. That Fitbit or the Apple Watch or the cool electronic thing now is going in the garbage in six months. I'm sorry. Certainly in a few years. And the new yeah. model's coming out. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. sorry, yeah. and you're beholden to the tech, which is why mm. I love mm -hmm. watches so much, because they are the opposite of that. I'm into tech, but it's this respite. It just, all it does is one beautiful thing, and it does it mechanically, and it's this, it's really, I think, among the only pieces of jewelry men can wear. 
mm-hmm. successfully, and <laughs> you know, just I, successfully. I think yes. it's just yes, it's a certain, statement. Yeah. It's a cool thing on your wrist, and it just tells time. That's all okay. it does. It's not connected to the world, and I don't need a seventeen-bladed razor that connects to the internet. And I don't care. I just want my watch. <laughs> So Michael Kobold, Kobold Watches, has been on my radar for a number of years, even though there's, there's quite uh, a few more. Vice Watches has sponsored our Lemons car. Thank you, Dale. And, uh, but, yeah, Michael Kobold, he has um, got a partnership with Ranulf Fines, mm, who mm. You know, is the polar explorer. He's, yes, Sir Ranulf, yes. Yes, yeah, Sir Ranulf. So he, Michael himself has been to the top of Mount Everest. He's worn his own watch designs. He actually sat under the tutelage at IWC to become a watchmaker. I mean, as a high schooler, he wrote letters um, to IWC and said, teach me, I want to learn the watchmaking business. And wow. finally they relented. And so he's bought movements, and so he's... Huh. It's a very okay. intriguing story, so I, I like that. And, um, yeah, so my dream watch, I'm going to get all this out, yeah. is the Resence... <laughs> Overwhelmed. Go to Resence Watches, R-E-S-S-E-N-C-E, Resence Watches, I like the new type 1ZZ, but the Resence watches, if you look at the YouTube videos, how they work, they're $30,000. They're astoundingly mm. beautiful. Lotus Elise I know, watch. I know. <laughs> Had to get it all out. Yeah, okay. Is, are, you, is, is that, are you taking a breath on watches? Uh, I'm looking for other watch questions. Oh, God, please stop. Please stop. All <laughs> go. right, I'm going to jump to movies. Go, go, go. Best movie trilogy, based on what we think is the best movie trilogy, and best movie trilogy based on one that it may not be the best, but, but I just like it. Just like it. I actually really like the Matrix trilogy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the movies get worse. <laughs> and the filmmakers, the Wachowskis, the, the filmmakers, uh, they, they don't, I don't get the sense, unfortunately, when I watch the whole trilogy, that they had a specifically built through line in mind. Mm. They are... Mm nearly obtuse they're so dense they're very dense movies and you kind of get the sense they're they're making up the mythology because they are making up the mythology i love the premise of course they're they're supposedly making more of them now um the first one was uh, it just it was a culture shaper the next two are struggle to compete with that i really like that whole trilogy though it's interesting i think it's cool um, I don't think it's great, but I think it's cool. Whereas I think the best movie trilogy, thinking of recent ones, honestly, solid from every category I can think of. Acting, directing, cinematography, writing, actually having a coherent t- trilogy, all of the above, is the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. It's that's, superb. Yeah, that's, yeah, it is. I it's think each of those three movies, it, it stands as strong as the ones around it, which is almost impossible to do in a trilogy. I mean, mm. as far as just mm. consistency, plus I just love them, but I think in consistency, that wins. Hmm. There's a couple of questions here that are related and are very personal from Michael Paver. In any context we choose, personal, professional, societal, what is one thing in life which we are the most worried or concerned or pessimistic? And oh, wow. One thing we are the most enthusiastic, optimistic about. Uh, wow. Okay. It ties in with Ryan Stamp's question here. If we could each pick a superpower, what would it be? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I suppose in any context, uh, I'd, you know, I'd like a family. I'd like to be married mm-hmm. myself. That hasn't happened yet, but, you know, down the road. And uh, that's something that, 
you know, like I said, I'm I'm interested in, and that's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. ties into my superpower. About I'd like to know what women want. I'd like to know how the mind works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could sell that though, which would be a whole. Then you'd have income stream. Look at that. Although, if I could have a superpower of making comfortable women's shoes, and designing comfortable women's shoes, I'd be a zillionaire. You would be. Yes. I'm. You know. Well, we well designed. Well designed. One thing. You mean cool ones that looking, look cool yeah, and also are comfortable, cool, which is the which is the hard part. Because it's always you know it's always the the dudes that are making. Cool-looking, beautiful women's yeah. shoes. It's the yeah. Christian Le Batons and yeah. you know Jimmy Choo's and all this yeah. stuff. It's like I could do that. I'd be a millionaire. You would be, yes, for sure. All right, but uh, I am very enthusiastic and optimistic about what Todd and I do. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we do the show together, and I love that you guys are so embedded and you it's know really part cool. of the show. It's yeah. it's yeah. not just. Uh, entertainment sense but it does come from the wanting to share mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like I said I've always been into cars I was drawing mm-hmm. cars in the margins of my math notebooks totally and, yeah you know you were doing all kinds of stuff with you know your grandfather you yeah, know, yeah mechanically speaking yeah you know learning how to rebuild all this stuff and sitting under the tutelage of your grandfather the man was a genius, but yeah. Which is amazing yeah, to me. Yeah. But uh, just enthusiastic about the long-term aspects, and that is our headspace, guys, and it is a long-term. This is the, the brand that we're building, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. always continually building. At no point do I ever want to say, I've done it, I know it all, I don't oh, know gosh, everything no. about cars, no, I've never met no, no, anybody no, no, no. that knows it all, and anybody who claims to be is not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> fair, but, fair. You know, I'm just enthusiastic continually about the show and the feedback that we get from you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times like, hey, you, you've helped my marriage. We couldn't believe this. At the Atlanta yeah, meetup. Atlanta, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. Uh, a man named Dean and his wife said, we're spending more time together in the Miata that we bought. Yeah, I heard that. It's funny. And Amazing. you and I are looking at each other like, we just have a podcast. I, we, 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 helped, we helped your marriage? That, that seems <laughs> accidental, but thanks. I'm glad it worked. But if it's very cool. You know, it's if really you're enjoying cool. aspects of your life more or you're enjoying your commute, whatever that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I call that a win. For sure. And I feel like we're all in this together in a weird way because of how much feedback you guys give us. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. And that just makes us, it drives us. It's enthusiasm for the future. We've got so many ideas for travel and films and all this stuff. Of course, it comes down to how much time and money do we have. Money and time. Those are the limits. Usually. What do we have to spend, for sure. Usually. But yeah, it's it's always in that category. So thank you, guys. On the the show front, I'll jump to this one. Major Wilkes asks a question. He says he he loves the podcast, been with it for a while. Thank you, man. I'm just really glad to have you listening. It's awesome. Also watching the show, etc. So thank you for finding in all the areas. If you've listened, sorry, side note, if you have seen the show on Amazon Prime, do us a favor and give us a rating on there Mm -hmm. because they do count the ratings from people that watch on Amazon, they count those better than they count other ones, so we would appreciate that. His question is, is there an episode we would recommend for a listener who's just discovering the podcast for the first time? That's hard. I almost want to throw it to you guys and say, what do you feel like is a definitive episode of this show? Because, you know, we've had some people that found these All Questions podcast and enjoyed them, but was like, where the hell is the car talk? So, <laughs> so you know, so anyway, but, but at the same time, I remember we had a guy that his first podcast he ever listened to was episode 100, which was All Questions. And he couldn't figure out how it was a car show. And thank God he stuck on for 101. Oh, I, I know. So anyway. So, <laughs> how is uh, this related to cars exactly in any right. way? So I, I think you kind of have to jump in. I think, honestly, we, the titles are goofy, but we hope that the titles give you some guidance. 
So if you find a title that seems to relate to something that you'd like to hear about, I mean, it may just be, uh, what's up with the new Supra? Or what's up with mm -hmm. the C8 Corvette? I think sometimes you can chase those titles and find good way in. Uh, but I'd be curious if you guys feel like you've got a definitive episode that you think this is what the show is. I'd love to hear that. He's asking us also about highest highs and lowest lows for us while doing the show and the podcast. Oh. Yikes. Well, um, the I, lows are pretty easy, I'd say. It's the the stuff getting stolen last year. That's 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 there, but I'll be honest. That was a rough patch. That was really rough. But I will be honest, though, personally, and it's early on in the in the, the history of the podcast, it gets discussed at length. Right around the time we started the podcast, we also did a Kickstarter that did not work. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And the about that. audience response and the web response to our Kickstarter and where we were on YouTube at the time with no prospects of moving off of YouTube, I was almost done. Mm. I was very close, closer than I've ever been. I mean, literally, the second place is not even, can't even see it from there. Mm. That's the lowest I've ever been for, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and I'm glad to have gotten past <laughs> that, and we were able to broaden ourselves beyond YouTube, and then the podcast started to be a thing, and it's grown to a place that is, is simultaneously beyond what I thought it would be, and exactly what I hope for, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I and I love what it is and how you guys respond and the stuff that we hear. So the high the high keeps honestly, this is gonna sound cheesy. I don't mean for it to. The high keeps changing because mm. I keep being surprised at the influence and the fun stuff we get to do as a result of the show. Yeah. And I guess I can look back on every year and be like, we did that this year. It's, it's I true. I keep being surprised by it. So I can't really pick one, even though I have to say 959 versus uh, GT2 RS this year was way up there. But we did Pilgrimage again. I mean, that's true. Going. That's true. So anyway, that's Although hard to Although the highs to are down. hearing from people and, hey, guys, here's how it affected me, or I was listening in this spot, or I'm, you know, I work here, or whatever. The highs are that feedback for me, and well, it just I hear it that. keeps yeah. me going, like, Wow, the, we've we've got genuine influence, and we're you know we're helping people. The the meetups prove to us. This is one of the reasons that we like them so much, guys. Besides the fact we like to meet all of you guys, but what, what's fascinating is to go to these meetups and to realize that the show is working as intended. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, because especially me as an editor sitting in a dark room, literally cutting it together and going, hope this works. So to hear, <laughs> I'm going to so kick it out the door. Exactly. Here we go. So for, for, you know, it works for me, and I think it works. But to then hear back that it's resonating as intended, oh, that's so satisfying and, and encouraging for more. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, question from Ted and Macon. Ted, it was a really nice meeting you as well. We met him in Atlanta. And there's a question here about design software and hardware that I use and mm -hmm. prefer. He likes the iPad 2018, Apple Pencil, and Sketchbook Pro combination, which is absolutely excellent. To be honest, I've really kind of left the solid and surface modeling and visualization in my past a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple of years now since I've really focused on that. I still want you to redesign some cars. I do need Maybe to. Maybe fix the beaver teeth. Or the, <laughs> anyway, honestly, I'm <laughs> not a designer. I think I could fix the beaver teeth. <laughs> yeah, we think. should give you a harder challenge because yeah. I think I could do that with Doodle. Anyway, no, you're right. I mean, I was a lot of PC because, to be honest, PC is design and engineering. That's mm -hmm. just how it is. And I will tease Apple just a little bit because for you know the longest time remember those apple commercials like hi i'm a mac hi, i'm i'm a pc yeah. they just they never told you that they were running windows on their macs to run the design software for which they designed their apple products <laughs> Okay. And for the longest time, I could not tell the world that because I worked for the software company. Sure. And they were like, we're never telling anybody that. They don't care at this point because they say, we use everybody from every vendor and we use yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of tools. Yeah, yeah. They honestly don't care. Yeah. But I was just so struck by, like, wait, <laughs> you're working on 
a Windows PC running on your Macs to design and engineer the products that are at running Apple OS. What? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we'd straighten me out here? So, I, you know, with the show, it's very heavily podcast. It's filmmaking. It's visual stuff. So I've, I'm all Mac at this point. So yeah. I'm with you uh, on the sketchbook stuff. Uh, that is an Autodesk product. But uh, I do like... Uh, the Adobe stuff. I'm still Photoshop and Illustrator, very heavily into that, and I have for a long time. They're just, you know, among the designer tools and, and photo editing tools. Lightroom's pretty awesome. We use Lightroom quite a bit, and Chance uses that mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, for, Chance uh, kills it in that, for all sure. All the, uh, the, the post-production on, on that. But, uh, yeah, all the VR stuff, I'm, I follow it, I'm interested in it, mm -hmm. but I'm not in that world. And I'm in... It, it always struck me that I was in this secondary world that is but isn't close to the driving that you and I did when I was in tech. Mm -hmm. I'm in the design mm -hmm. studio, but these designers aren't getting to drive the cars you and I did. I know. It's insane. They don't have the experience. And so I that's walked in and they're going, yeah. well, that's cool. What is it like to drive such and such car from the our car competitor? They designed. The car they designed, the car their competitor designed. Yes. Not, none of them. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're just, you know, they're not able. I mean, sometimes they do. Yeah. But it does come with seniority, and it comes per project. Mm -hmm, do, you, mm -hmm. do you need to drive that car so they don't have access? Mm, and it always struck me, if I went down that road, you and I, I mean, we wouldn't probably be doing the show. But No, you I, couldn't be. We wouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to. But I wouldn't be driving the stuff that I've been able yeah. and fortunate yeah. to drive. But that, more importantly, I want to share the experience. Yeah. You know? And That's that means cool. you guys, the audience. I've got two or three more, and I'll be done. But we're coming up on an hour. This will probably still go by past an hour. Thank you guys for being with us as yeah, always. Yeah, for sure. And this is podcast 450. Oh, so exciting. Shane has a question where he said, I'm, I'm going to see if I can uh, paraphrase Shane's question. He said, we try to avoid the room full of rakes that is politics and religion on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I read his question first time wrong. Because I kind of felt like he was asking us to pick one and start talking about it, which we're not going to do, because we want this podcast to be a respite from the things that Absolutely. people are typically arguing about. Absolutely. But Shane has a secondary question, which he's saying, if we had to do a podcast about one of those room full of rakes topics, hmm. would we pick religion or politics? Oh. Hmm. So Shane, I am going to answer that. I would pick religion, but I would go broader than religion. I would love to do a conversation about belief. Hmm. Hmm. Because politics, I feel like, has so much vitriol right away, as does religion, candidly. It can, it but, can, sure, yeah. But what you believe as a person, that can be how you were raised in your belief, that can be the beliefs you've come to as an adult, but what you believe as a person shapes your worldview. And then your worldview trickles to everything else about how you operate as an individual, how sure. you parent, how you treat people that don't believe as you believe. And I, I feel like, and here, look, I'll, I'll go to cars for a second. I know it's crazy on a car podcast. Weird. But the fact that all of us love cars, that is the common belief we all hold that bands us together. And we do sit here on this podcast and talk about people that don't get cars. Like, what's going on over there? How can they not so like this is, cars? This is, in, if yeah, you will, this yeah. is a, a belief podcast in that regard. But I, what I love is commonalities in humanity. Mm -hmm. And I love when people can get a conversation going. We have a friend who used to work for the FBI, and he had a, he had a quote that he said to his people about, it's hard to hate up close. I love it's that quote. It's easy to hate from a distance. It's fantastically simple to hate from behind a keyboard. Yeah. It's difficult to hate up close. Yeah. It's difficult to hate in a person-person situation. And I like talking about belief and things that matter and passions and things that stir emotions among people. And I think finding those commonalities, I'm already doing the podcast, would be very <laughs> cool. So that's my answer there, Shane. My driving passion says that he wants to be a freelance automotive writer and photographer. Oh, yeah, I saw this. 
what do we recommend here? Do we recommend going to school for photography training and, oh, the GI Bill here, so financials are not an issue, that's great, or just going out and shooting as much as possible to learn on the fly? Education includes in-depth training with Lightroom, Photoshop, marketing, all that stuff. You know, interestingly, in my design education, I never got any classes on licensing, like licensing my designs or the mm. business side mm. of how to market myself you know, from a design standpoint. Sure, sure. Yves Behar is a famous industrial designer who, I, I mean, he's a great designer as well, and he's mm -hmm. famous, but mm -hmm. he focused more on the marketing aspects right out of school. Interesting. He marketed himself. He hired a PR person right out of college, mm -hmm. and, and the rest of us were going, What are you doing? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. That seems strange. Look at where he is now. He's got a lot of high-profile projects, mm -hmm. and he is a good designer, but that okay. wasn't his primary. Sure, sure, sure. That wasn't the thing on his mind, which was astounding. And, you know, I'm going, where where'd you learn that from? So from your perspective here, uh, my driving passion, your question here is, it depends on the person, and well, yes, if you've got the financials to be able to get the education, that is great to get those fundamentals going. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can pick so many great schools. You know, there's a photography course at Art Center, and sure. Michael Bay comes sure, sure. From, from the film department at Art yeah, Center. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of famous commercials and directors have come from Art Center. I like that. But there's, there's great photography and film courses everywhere. Yeah. And so I do like that because it'll give you, you know, the fundamentals, the training, and a lot of contacts as well. But then there's plenty of stories for people who have just start, started shooting yeah. and worked their way up just because they've got the eye. And if you know you've got the eye and people have agreed and identified, like, wow, you've really got something here. You should pursue this. You know, some people don't go the college mm -hmm, route, and mm -hmm. that's and they make a lot of money, and they have a very successful career, and they're a name, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it all it doesn't matter. So yeah. it it just kind of depends. But if you have the means, and you you know you can, I'd say it's invaluable. Honestly, the training is invaluable. I think the training's invaluable, but I want to caution you because something that I didn't do enough of, and I did some, but something I didn't do enough of while getting a degree was I wasn't shooting nearly as much as I started shooting once I started actually not having to go to classes. So if getting an education in a classroom kind of scenario and doing those projects, if that let me put it this way, hinders your ability to actually shoot a lot and ask other photographers questions and actually be out there working among others, even mm -hmm. if you're the newbie. Watch that balance. You know, I wa I've watched Chance actually shoot and find other photographers and get in with other photographers and ask them questions and them ask him questions. And I've watched how much that has helped Chance as a photographer and helped him ingratiate sure. himself to yeah. places that have peace builders become clients, let's be honest. So that those interactions are helpful. So I, I wouldn't just bury yourself in school and not be shooting, getting contacts, being out there. I wouldn't. Do it's that. hard to be do both, very, though. It's hard to do both simultaneously. Yes. It's which makes it's me recommended, wonder, but yes. Which makes me wonder: do you do you take just the classes you need versus chasing a degree? That's a thing oh, I wonder about. Sure. And, and you have to balance that yourself. But I think that's that's and, where the and question lies. Ultimately, it depends. You know, is is your ultimate goal? Do those people who would do the hiring are they looking for that degree? Is that the end all be all? I would say no. I would say no. Yeah. If, if you know, if so okay, that's one perspective. But you know, not always. Yeah. And there's so many people in just about every. I mean, we can sit here and name all the internet pioneers, the app pioneers, you know, companies. <laughs> yeah. I dropped out of college, and I'm a yeah. zillionaire. And <laughs> like, yeah, there's always that exception, isn't there? <laughs> God. Yeah. 
<laughs> Michael Newsom says, uh, what about non-car, non-everyday driver personal projects we have going on that we can tell them about or we can update on? Hmm. I will say this because I've talked about it on every podcast, I feel, every podcast like this. I finished my novel. I'm really proud of you, man. Over 130,000 words was actually finished on the plane on the way to Germany this year. Now, I That's say cool. that. That was first draft. So I am in the process of rereading and rewriting. Thankfully, that goes much quicker than the initial writing. But I got to get through, for the first time, the full story I've wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. And now it's refining it to get it out to the public. So I do anticipate, look, I'm going to set myself a goal. Do you anticipate in the next calendar year, by the time we do another one of these podcasts, you'll be able to read that novel. And I hope you do. But uh, that has nothing to do with cars. Nothing at all. It's a father-son story. So cool. uh, I'm in the process cool. of refining that. That is the only big update I can think of. Personally, um, I've had uh, feature film scripts and weirdness happen on the Hollywood side, but that's a tale for another day. Uh, <laughs> but the novel thing is cool. I was glad. I mean, 130,000 words is a, is a lengthy novel, and I was glad to at least be able to say, like, okay, that's the last period I have to put on this story to say I've told it once. That and is I an get accomplishment. To go refine it, which is pretty cool. I'd say I've been working. Uh, I was hired as um, to do a freelance project uh, to do some artwork. As actually for a marketing company, they wanted more of a car-themed mural mm -hmm. for a another company. So it was an you know office space architecture company. They wanted some ideas for murals for this company so that was kind of fun to dive back in but yeah. every time I think about you know from an automotive art standpoint there are a lot of automotive artists and um, I was fortunate to meet Steve Anderson of Steve Anderson Illustrations before he unexpectedly passed away Oof. the guy was amazing also an Art Center grad and uh, I follow his Instagram and his wife continues to sell his prints mm -hmm. and, uh, and build the business um, but yeah he was just a great guy and incredible illustrator but I've thought about you know that direction I mean he worked as a designer during the day and would do all these mm, amazing mm. illustrations at night and on okay, the weekends. Okay, yeah. He's got a huge catalog of stuff and, like I said, uh, mourn his passing. But uh, I think about, you know, doing automotive art or plein air painting or just something that's refreshing and color and, you know, color studies and just kind of gets me working with non-digital media again. Sure. And just feel the, part of it. Yeah, feel yeah, yeah, the yeah. paint again and feel the pencils and that kind of thing. But then every time I think about doing that, you and I have stuff to do. We do. I want to do design work, you know, for Everyday Driver because I'm gonna sure. be, if I'm gonna be sketching, I need to be doing Paul's design corner. And sure. I've talked about yeah, it for yeah. years. And then I, you know, we get buried because I'm yeah, yeah. searching for press cars or you know planning yeah. trips or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know all this stuff that gets in the way of producing content. But you know that's that's the stuff that I think about. But I will reveal a couple of big things, and that is I want to design a grand piano. I'm cool. a musician. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. playing. I've yeah. played for since yeah. I was five, and uh, I love classical. I love you know all kinds of stuff, um, contemporary, whatever that is. Uh, I want to design a piano, that's and cool. I want to build it, and I want to cool. play it because it it touches furniture, mm -hmm. it touches building stuff, mm -hmm. it touches you know wood and steel and design whatever and it is. music and all of the above. design and music, and it incorporates all of that stuff, and that's then I get to very use cool. it. I've that's always wanted to cool. design. I a actually piano. never heard that before. That's really? awesome. There's been, actually, Audi has designed a piano. There's been a lot of grand piano concepts out, out okay. there, and I okay. have the design in my mind that I want to do. Crazy. And I'd love to design and build it and play it and have wow. it in my house. That is cool. That is cool. Last question for me for this podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this. Dami O asked, good to hear from you, man. It's been a while. Dami O asked, what's a one life lesson you hope to teach your child that mm -hmm. 
that he takes with them into adulthood. Okay, uh, my son is 10. <laughs> For the next hour. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> For part two of this podcast, please, no, sorry. Uh, he's, he's 10, and of course there's a lot of stuff that I hope I can be a good influence and a good father, and he has a lot of good lessons that he takes forward. But, but, obviously it's easy to be passionate. My son is very passionate. He has the combination of me and my wife, and so he's quite a passionate kid. <laughs> you have to tell uh, the joke. You know, he's 200%. The, jo- the joke, yes. Here's, you got to tell this. Everybody, everybody believes or, or says, you talk to any parent, well, you know, uh, Junior is a little bit me and a little bit my wife, and you always say that story. No. In the case of my son, he is 100% my wife, and he is 100% me. He is 200% person walking around in a 10-year-old's body. There's it's a true. lot of kid going on it's there. It's true. There's so much kid going on. So, so I mean, people love meeting him. He's fun. Watch our Moab piece where he rode around in the back, which may be the quietest you've ever been on a road trip. But I asked him to be. But he's, <laughs> he he's was great. respectful. So, he was. But honestly, here's, here's a dual lesson I really hope he takes with him because I think you know, as you learn to be an adult, that's part of the parenting process of teaching them to be an adult. But I, here's something that I wish somebody had told me, and that is, first off, you can do anything you want in life mm-hmm. and make it some level of success, but, especially with the web and all the ways you people make money, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be excruciatingly hard. Yeah. If you want to set out against a goal, you can probably achieve that goal. It may be lengthy and painful to get there. And that is partnered with the secondary thought is that my I've tried to model for my son. I mean, thankfully, look, I get to do this show for a living now, but I worked for the better part of a decade before that was true. Yeah. yeah. So that marries to the other things. Because you're not wife, a vlogger, yo. I'm not. I don't have a G6 and all of my Lamborghinis that are wrapped. <laughs> anyway, the yeah, because I'm, I'm awesome. That's that's um, another that's a whole separate podcast rant. of but ranting. My <clears throat> wife is a trained actress. Okay, she's done some professional work as an act as an actress, and that was what paid all her bills. But now she doesn't. Now she doesn't. She still acts. She still performs, and she loves it. And that marries up with the fact that Everyday Driver wasn't my main thing for a long time. It's important also, I hope my son realizes, that you can feed your passions and it not be what you do for work. They they could be the same, but if they're different and you are engaged in the thing that is your passion but it's not what pays your bills, that is not a failure. No. That is still a success and that is still something that I encourage my son to pursue and I hope he does pursue his passions even if that's not what pays the bills. And you can have that balance in life where you're getting fed by the thing you need to do even if it's not the day to day. Guys, we can't thank you enough for your engagement, for your questions as always. Keep writing your debates. Keep writing your car stories and your car conclusions. Car stories is something Todd and I were just talking about today Mm -hmm. and that is just Tell us about your car. The and car that's you love. it. What's it's your not cool car you want to share? A, exactly. Yeah. And we, we want to share some of those, but definitely car conclusions. And, uh, you know, guests you'd like to hear. We ran into our friend, racer Billy Johnson mm-hmm. here. Totally, yeah. Uh, hung out with him. We saw Jason Fenske of Engineering Explained. Jacob and Yuri of Straight Pikes. We hung out with them, yeah, too. It was great. Got to it was meet really those cool. guys. Yeah, yeah. Super cool guys. It was just nice to, you know, meet fellow folks in the industry. Yeah. But uh, it was cool to hear about Billy. So we're going to have him back on the podcast yeah, we are. once he, you know, figures out where he's going to land from a racing perspective. His new race team, whatever so, that is. Yeah, Whatever that sure. is. But it was just cool to hang with him for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, all your questions and being engaged because it does feel a little bit like family. For sure. It's it's amazing. So, yeah, when you see us at an airport, at show, whatever, reach out, say hello. Yeah, for Love sure. to hear from you guys. For sure. So thank you a million, and uh, definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.